0: Mm -hmm. Mm ¶¶
1: Welcome back to another episode of District Divided I'm your host Amit Singh If you enjoy the podcast, please follow me at District Divided on Twitter Got the same Instagram handle And then there's a Facebook group and page called District Divided Hope you're all doing well today On the docket, I've got an interview with Emma Johnson An NWSL expert, a good friend of mine Went to School Without Walls as well she's going to be talking about the nwsl a little bit about the spirit but it's generally a deep dive on the entire league the national women's soccer league and outside of that we're just going to do a quick state of the union roundup on the teams in dc and that's about it for today's episode It's short and simple kick back relax and enjoy here comes the interview with emma johnson joining me now to talk about the nwsl the national women's soccer league is a good friend of mine who is a huge women's soccer fan. She played in high school. She played club at Davidson, and she's here with us now. And actually, the creator of the very first District Divided logo for those of you, uh, first day guys, um, Emma Johnson. Emma, how are you doing today?
0: I am a first time, long time. Glad to be here. Excited to be on the podcast.
1: Perfect, perfect. And thanks for you know thanks for coming on and talking about the NWSL, which I honestly feel like does not have enough exposure. I'm a huge soccer fan and I honestly didn't know much about it until I started digging in a little bit more. And I'm hoping that you will be able to further you know, enlighten us on you know, the various players and how the Challenge Cup is going. So let's just get straight into it. Once again, just some background information for everybody. Uh, the NWSL has been around since 2012 and there are nine teams in it so far. The champions have been the Portland Thorns and FC Kansas City, now known as the Utah Royals. They've each won it twice and the North Carolina Courage are dominant. They have won the last three times. Those teams have also won the NWSL Shield Awards, awarded to the team's regular season champion. So these teams have just been killing it since 2012. So, Emma, why don't we talk about, not the teams, but the individuals, the people that'll draw you to watch the Challenge Cup this year, which you could see on CBS All Access.
0: Yeah, and I think, It's just such an exciting time for uh, women's soccer right now, especially for the league. I mean, these teams are just so exciting to watch. And it's so far been a really exciting challenge cup with, um, yeah, just lots of uh, big players. And, you know, for everyone who followed along, of course, with the uh, World Cup that was last year and, you know, really got attached to some players. A lot of your favorite players are playing in the Challenge Cup right now. They, A lot of them play on um, a ver- various NWSL teams. So, you know, some highlights especially are Lynn Williams, who plays forward for the North Carolina Courage. She scored uh, three goals so far this tournament, just been totally dominant up top, and other uh, teams are really having a hard time. Uh, defending her. So she's been really fantastic. Lindsay Horan plays for the Portland Thorns uh, and has just had some incredible headers, including this lovely, lovely header goal a few days ago. And so those two, in terms of just players who you might already know, are would definitely keep an eye out on. In terms of, there's some other players as well who just have been able to use this Challenge Cup as a way to Show what they can do, which I think is really exciting. A lot of rookies are getting the chance to show their stuff in this 2020 season when maybe they wouldn't have been able to, um, yeah, get the chance if they hadn't been able to pull this tournament together. Uh, One of them is actually a total rookie. This Challenge Cup is her professional debut. Her name's Bella Bixby, and she's a goalie for the Thorns, the Portland Thorns. And she just has had some incredible saves right from uh, the Uh, very beginning in these first few games against the Spirit. She just had, you know, these incredible diving saves. um, And so I think she's definitely one to watch out for. I'd also look for Shay Groom, who plays for the Houston Dash. She's been in the NWSL for a few years now and just had this insane header against the rain the other day where she was in the air for just like five seconds and just like had this massive header uh header goal that was incredible so yeah those are just a few i think right off the bat of players to keep an eye out for
1: awesome and you know the washington spirit actually play the houston dash this sunday so you can definitely yep. look out for her and then speaking about lynn williams uh if you've watched any washington spirit games you probably watched the one against the north carolina card she scored both of those uh in a yep. 2-0 win and then lindsey Horan is dominant i want to say she scored as well against the spirit um, she
0: did, yeah. On
1: that header. Yeah. So, you know, you're talking about absolutely dominant players. And then, of course, there's Rose Lavelle here, you know, with the Washington Spirit. Abby Dahl Kemper, who plays for the North Carolina Courage as well. But, yeah, thank you for highlighting some of those names for us. And very much looking forward to seeing them moving forward. And on to this season's Challenge Cup, which is already three games in for most of the teams. Who is dominating it so far? And where do the Spirit stand there?
0: Yeah, well, as you mentioned in the very beginning, the courage are just... Uh, such a strong team. They really are the team to be. And I think based on what I've read and heard from other podcasts and uh, articles that are out right now with interviews from these players, the Courage is also just the team that all the other teams are chasing right now. So um, I think they're definitely uh, the team to beat in this tournament. Um, they just have such a deep line of players on their bench, on their field. You know, there's so many of your favorites from the national team that are on there. Lynn Williams, as we've we've already said, Crystal Dunn is on there, Samantha Mewis, Abby Dahlkemper, Jessica McDonald. Like, they are such a deep line. They have a chemistry that has proven to work. You know, you mentioned they've uh, won the past a few championships. Like, they are just a super strong team, and so far they're just dominating the tournament. Three wins, no losses, Uh, you know, no other team as of yet has even two wins. So they're definitely the ones to catch up to. Um, The Spirit currently sit in fourth, although it's kind of like a, you know, to be determined because um, some of the other teams like the Utah Royals and the um, Houston Dash haven't played their third game, third games yet. I'm actually just seeing that the Utah Royals game just finished right now, their third game, and they just lost to the rain. So that'll put them actually behind the Spirit. So the Spirit will move into third. But So there's definitely some room for movement, but all these teams are um, really just chasing the courage right now.
1: Live cutting-edge reporting there from Emma Johnson. Game just went final. You heard yep. it here first, unless you yep. Googled it by the time this came out. Um, Now, what is your prediction in that case? So It sounds like the North Carolina Courage, which, by the way, I would say maybe a fair comparison would be like the Golden State Warriors when they had Curry, Clay Thompson, and Kevin Durant, for example, or the New England Patriots in the NFL with Brady over there and Belichick. They are just so far away the best team. So prediction on who would win the Challenge Cup um, if it's not the Courage, um, and is there any dark horse team that you can see in the field.
0: Yeah, I mean, and you know, what's obviously so exciting about a tournament, of course, is that um, you have knockout rounds and which really anything can happen in there. So at the moment, the Challenge Cup is in the qualifying stages. All the teams are gonna be moving on to the knockout stages because as I know you discussed before, the Orlando Pride uh, had to back out because um, a number of their players tested positive for the coronavirus. So all the teams that are currently in the qualifying rounds are moving on to the knockout stages. Um, So what the games right now are just determining seating. So, but, you know, in the knockout stage, really anything can happen. So I think a lot of these teams have the potential if they can uh, put up a strong uh, force to, you know, tackle the courage and maybe knock them out. Um, I think as far as other teams that, you know, could do that, I think the Houston Dash are really, really exciting. I think they have some amazing energy. Some of their goals have just like really, really left me stunned. And I already mentioned that header by Shay Groom. I really would encourage everyone to look that up. She was just, she was just flying up there at the front. And that was really incredible to see um, the Houston dash. They also have Rachel Daly who plays on the English national team. Um, and, you know, England really put up a strong fight in the world cup as well. Um, and yeah, they just have some great players. Christy Mewis is also on the dash. Who's the older sister to, um, uh, the 2019 U.S. women's national team player, Samantha Mewis. So an exciting sister pair that's out there in the league. Um, so yeah, they just have some really great energy. And so I think they could really, um, yeah, step forward. I'm really looking forward to that game that you already mentioned with the Houston dash against the spirit that's coming up on Sunday. I think that's one's going to be really exciting. I also think that the Utah Royals have a lot of, uh, power and strength and, um, could really come through as well. Um, The big question that remains for them is um, how they fare in the long run without Kristen Press. Uh, Press decided not to play in the tournament uh, because of health reasons. And as we know, she's just such a power forward and has just like so much ability and talent. And so um, seeing how the team will step up without Press will determine like how they do but they have a bunch of rookies who are you know really stepping up a few have already scored goals so I think they could also be really exciting to watch as well
1: well I really appreciate your prediction and all the information you just laid out there for example I didn't even know Sam Mewis had an older sister let alone on the team that you predict to be the dark horse so that would potentially be you know a uh, sister sister uh, final or a showdown whatever you have it so that would be Uh, really exciting to see. And as a new NWSL fan myself, I learned a lot just from listening to you right now. And I'm very excited to see how all these different teams do. Now, speaking a bit more, it's off the field, but on the field, so to speak. Um, The NWSL has made news as being, you know, the first sports league to come back. And they've been playing the national anthem before games, which is pretty standard across all American sports. So There's also the Black Lives Matter movement going on as well. And there was, of course, that very powerful image of Julie Ertz and Casey Short kneeling together and, you know, sobbing together during the national anthem, consoling each other. What can you tell us about the Black Lives Matter movement in the WN and how it's, or NWSL, excuse me, and how it is perhaps, you know, affecting some of the players?
0: Yeah, definitely. And re- yeah, really looking forward to discussing some of the nuances here right now. And, you know, just fan of the show, listening to what uh, the two episodes you had on Black Lives Matter with Kadeen Wiggins. And, you know, he brought up the question, like, should we even be playing sports right now? You know, like, is it detracting from this movement? Are people going to you know, forget about the things they are should be doing for the movement and just distract themselves in sports. And, you know, I think that was a really interesting and important question and one that I think has a lot of nuances within this tournament right now as well. You know, a lot of the uh there are a lot of been a lot of articles uh from journalists who cover women's soccer about these issues and you know I'm just going to be like talking about some of the points they brought up as well. But, you know, uh, so there's one journalist who, um, does a lot of freelance for women's soccer on the equalizer and some other platforms, Bria Felician. And she talked with a couple of, uh, NWSL players who are black and just to talk about their experiences, uh, Darian Jenkins from the OL rain, um, especially, and just talking about like what it's like to, um, like have all of this weight on you right now as an athlete, as a player, and still having to take the, take the field and play like with um, the same talent that, you know, they are expected to be playing with. And that's a, that's a big burden, you know, like you are required to be there mentally, be there physically. And that can be really challenging, especially for the black players who may be feeling it more than their white teammates. And so, you know, and an even though this is a tournament and, you know, not the full season, like there are still things that are on the line for them, you know, like Vlad uh, Vlatko, the coach of the women's national team was there watching some of the games. He's taking notes. He's taking notes on the 2020, 2021 Olympics roster. He's taking notes for future world cups, you know, like the the performance of these players matters. And so, you know, thinking about the kind of burden that this is placing on black athletes, I think is, you know, really important right now, and you know, um just something like to also really be considering, and you know at the same time, like um other players have said you know that they're really excited to be out there and playing because they get to use their voice and use their platform in a bigger way than they may um may have otherwise, which I think is also to consider you know, I've read a few articles as well on the athletic about um players who have said they want it, they want the anthem to be played because they want that opportunity to protest. You know, they want that space there for them to be able to take a knee to, you know, have that show of support. Um, so, you know, like this conversation with the players and how the league balances the anthem and everything I think is ongoing. And I think it's ongoing uh, for all the players and obviously, you know, like just taking a knee doesn't mean, um, that you can't be doing other or that you shouldn't be doing other things for the movement. Of course, you know, the taking a knee is just the performance part of it and it's work off the field that matters as well. Um, But um, a lot of the players just wanted that time to be able to express themselves in that way. So yeah, there's a lot of, you know, competing factors here and a lot of emotions. And, you know, I think it's been really interesting to see the NWSL take this on first. Um, And just especially, you know, having like these women being represented and to use their platform and have a lot of people's eyes on them in a way that if there were other sports going on right now, there wouldn't have been so many eyes on them. So, yeah
1: yeah no i think the nwsl did a really smart thing by coming back first now when we talk about should sports come back at all given you know covid given black lives matter it is an incredibly interesting question and i see merits to both sides of it you know on the one hand if sports come back and they have so far you know it provides a certain degree of emotional relief and helps fill your day for example where maybe beforehand you were like when is this going to end for example with the coronavirus Uh, but on the other hand, yes, will it take away from some of the impact that, uh, you know, we could have if we gave a hundred percent of ourselves to the black lives matter movement, for example, I'm hoping we can find a way to balance the two where, you know, it's sort of sports can provide a refresh or reset of your energy and you can continue fighting for those social justice causes that still need to be fought for. Um, that's my own opinion. It is a very very tricky space to navigate though as you alluded to and just putting myself in the shoes of you know a black nwsl player that is a very very difficult position to be in because on the one hand maybe you want to sit out to protest but on the other hand you know you've got a huge opportunity to advance your career you know with the national team coach looking on so obviously it's it's almost a catch-22 to a certain extent but uh personally glad sports are back still you know Following the Black Lives Matter movement, and you know, continuing wherever I can. But yes, I can completely understand, you know, the uh, outcries in both directions there. So, Emma, one more question for you. You talked about the national anthem. Do you think it should be played before the games?
0: You know, I think it's um, just a really interesting question. You know, I think it's um, one where you know all these people who think that are connect the anthem to the military even when it just like doesn't it just doesn't connect like that like you know I've never really understood when people say like you know you're kneeling and you're disrespecting the military or you're standing because you honor the military like there's you know not really a connection between the anthem and the um I mean the yeah the anthem and the flag and the or just really the anthem and the military but um, you know the history of the national anthem being played at sports games like extends back to World War one and World War II when they were trying to mobilize like the American effort for these world wars and then it sort of just stuck because league saw it as a way to um, you know continue to draw advertisements and uh, you know add revenues and get getting sponsors. So I think it's really morphed and over time into something. Yeah, into something that we think it's, that it's just not. Um, so, like, I think it's a really complicated question. I totally understand the players who want the anthem to be played so that they can have that opportunity to protest. You know, in terms of, you know, players who are standing during the anthem, who, you know, are standing because, I don't know, they have military people in their family or something. You know, that's something that personally I just don't really understand. I think that, at some point you look around and you realize that this is bigger than you, especially in the NWSL, where there's been a lot of joint statements about, um, you know, just the need to come together from the teams and like pretty much the full teams have been kneeling and just like have that sense of unity amongst the players, amongst the coaches, amongst the staff, that's all on the field in a way that, you know, hasn't really been seen in a lot of other sports. Um, so, you know, and I just think that, um yeah so it's really conflicting in that sense you brought up um or just in also in terms of that um you know the national women's soccer league and just the women's players in general have always been really vocal about a lot of social issues you know the equal pay fight which is you know still ongoing has been such a big part of you know the 2019 world cup run and everything and you know i think what um, I've seen a lot of, I've uh, seen some players um, remark on in some interviews. Like I mentioned, that um, that Bria Felician interview with Darian Jenkins, where she says, like, you know, we the our players really. Uh, are loud for pride and for LGBTQ rights and for the equal pay like how can we bring that same level of loudness to black lives matter and you know that's what i really think is the key for all these players out there in the field it's just like recognizing that um they're part of that bigger movement and if you know playing the anthem allows them to express that kind of um unity for that bigger movement and for all of them to be using their platform then you know i think that they should go for that. And I think that's really like amazing uh, thing for them to display as like that group. But, you know, if I think they're playing it to honor some sort of military or like connection that just doesn't really exist or um, then, yeah, I would say no. So I think it's really about like what they're trying to go for, who's trying to, you know, say what there. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. Speaking to your first point, um, I think one of the most intriguing ones for me was I believe it was the game just, it was the North Carolina Courage game, Spirit versus the Courage. And, you know, just about everybody was kneeling. And then there was uh, forward Ashley Hatch from the Washington Spirit that was standing. And, you know, she was emotional after. But at the same time, you know, so people did get after her for that. But at the same time, she's donating her goal bonus to the NAACP at DC Scores, which is a great local uh, group over here. And so it's, it definitely is one of the most, that to me was one of the most intriguing. Uh, moments of the tournament so far outside of, you know, the actual technical play and the goals and the tackles that we've been, you know, talking about at the very beginning of it. So definitely um, agree with you there, though, that, you know, it is bigger than you at the same time. So I expect to see more kneeling and there has been quite a bit of it. Uh, But yeah, it's certainly a tricky situation. But Emma Johnson, thank you so much for joining us on the show. I really appreciate your time and for providing a lot of really useful information on the NWSL. I'm going to put you a bit on the spot here. If there's any sort of message you want to give out or if you want to plug your social media or anything like that, the floor is now yours. Go ahead.
0: Thanks. I think I'll just, yeah, end with, you know, discussing about what the rest of this tournament is going to look like. You know, the games are ongoing until the end of July. The final is on July twenty um, It'll be on CBS. So even if you don't have CBS access, you can watch, you know, the, first game had a viewership of like 572,000 on CBS, which was, you know, the largest single record viewership of an NWSL game. It was the first time an NWSL game had been on a major broadcast network. So, you know, I think this is just really exciting times for the league and just an exciting time to show up and support the players. And yeah, I'm just really looking forward to the rest of the tournament and seeing how, how it all pans out. Yeah.
1: Perfect, looks like women's sports is moving in the right direction and I hope it continues to do so. Emma, once again, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, Amit. It's time now for your weekly State of the Union, the recap of DC sports across the board. Let's stick with the NWSL. The Washington Spirit are in fifth place now, but there's so many teams tied on four points and the Spirit are among them. Five different teams have four points, so second through sixth place right now are all tied. The Washington Spirit play the Houston Dash at 1230 on Sunday, and you can see that on CBS All Access. Once again, the Houston Dash are the team that Emma Johnson earmarked as her dark horse, so it's going to be a very fun, exciting game, and the Washington Spirit can jump up to second place with a win potentially. Huge heading into the knockout round. The MLS, sticking with soccer, is officially back, and the first game was a banger of a game. Orlando beats Inter-Miami 2-1 on a last-minute goal by Nani, formerly of Manchester United, and that's how he's best well-known. 2-1, 96-minute winner from Nani. The Philadelphia Union were in action, and they ended up playing New York City FC. Before the game, the Philadelphia Union, during the anthem, showed off their new jerseys. On the back of each player's jersey was a different black victim of police brutality, a very amazing gesture from the Philadelphia Union. They ended up winning 1-0 against them. And in DC United's group, Group B, New England and Montreal kicked it off and the New England Revolution won 1-0, taking a three-point lead in the group. But when you add it to the regular season standings, that means the New England Revolution now are at four points, Montreal Impact are at four points, Toronto FC at four points, DC United at three points. DC United has the opportunity on Sunday to take first place in the group if they can beat Toronto. The game is at 9 a.m. It was supposed to be... Friday, July 10th at 8 p.m. but because FC Dallas and Nashville have dropped out of the MLS's back tournament the MLS had to move around the schedule a little bit and here we are with a 9 a.m. game on Sunday so doubleheader spirit 1230 DC United 9 a.m. full of soccer on Sunday switching over to basketball the WNBA Elena Deladon and Tina Charles may not be playing this season they're waiting to hear from doctors to see if they can get medical exemptions. They are potentially higher risk for COVID. They do not have it. They're not sick at this time. They're just trying to get more information about whether it's safe for them to play or not. Hopefully, they can and it is safe for them to play. It would be a huge blow to the Washington Mystics, but we'll see what happens there. I'll keep you all updated. On to the NBA the Washington Wizards. They're missing a lot of players. Bradley Beal, you might have heard of him, is out with a shoulder injury, so he will not be playing in Orlando. Thomas Bryant, Gary Payton Jr., they are also missing because they tested positive for COVID, and Garrison Matthews is missing at least the start of it due to personal reasons. So this gives golden boy Rui Hachimura a golden, golden opportunity to go on an eight-game win streak and take us to an NBA championship. Rui, it's on you, buddy. We're all pulling for you. And now moving on to the NFL. You may have heard about this, but you also could be living under a rock, I'm not sure. The Washington Redskins are likely no longer going to be called the Washington Redskins. The name looks like it's going to change. Dan Snyder is still in control of the situation, obviously, so ultimately it's up to him, but there is increased pressure across the board. FedEx, Nike, external public pressure, It's everywhere. And it looks like there's increased momentum that it is going to change. So we'll see. The Red Wolves actually seems to be the name that is taking over. And a lot of the public, there was a Washington Post poll that came out saying around 40% of people love the name Red Wolves. Red Tails finished in second place over there. We'll see what the name becomes. And now onto the question you all are asking yourselves. Is the intro music going to change on District Divided? The answer is I don't know. I think it would probably have to. I'm gonna be talking to Polypolo Polo about that, see if we can get him some studio time, so more on that as that story develops. And onto the NHL, still shrouded with uncertainty. Hard to know what's gonna happen there. There's still the public saying maybe we shouldn't do this. They're still picking their hub cities. Just a lot of uncertainty overall. So once again, I'll keep you updated on that front, but as of right now, nothing new to report there. And that is a nice quick wraparound and the end of your State of the Union that's going to wrap up this week's episode. Once again, a special thanks to Emma Johnson for joining the show and for talking to us about the NWSL, breaking it all down for us, who she thinks will win, who are dark horses, the Black Lives Matter movement, how the players are affected by that, what the NWSL is doing about that. It was a very fun interview to do. So once again, Emma, thank you so much for your time and your State of the Union. Once again, probably the biggest topic is the Redskins name change. We're going to see and monitor how that goes. Might even do an episode with Polypolo, just where we just throw around some silly names. If anybody else wants to get in on that, please let me know. And in the meanwhile, just speaking of Polypolo, it's your time to shine, baby. Take us out. I spent
0: my whole damn life in the city. Anywhere I go, D.C.'s coming with me. I spent my whole damn life in the city. I can go for broke, but the capital is in me. I spent my whole damn life in the city. Anywhere I go, D.C.'s coming with me. Spent my whole damn life in the city I could go for broke, but the capital is in me